like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Honesty and an awesome laugh are among the many great attributes of today's Song of the Soul guest, Jen Hazen. Jen is a staple of Eau Claire's music scene, performing with a number of other artists in a variety of constellations. Jenny and the Lost Boys, Jenny and the Jets, Malcolm Whiskey, Girl Band, and Weapons of Brass Destruction, among others. It's such a joy to encounter her on or off the stage. With her healing and radiant voice, Jen Hazen joins us in person. Jen, I'm really pleased to have you here today for Song of the Soul. I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Mark. And, you know, I've been seeing you out in public, especially with Jenny and the Jets live band karaoke. It's been exciting to see you, and especially when my friend Aaron gets up there and sings with yes. you. I have a great time with that. So I've known you in the community that way for a long time. How long have you been doing music around here? I am 56 years old, and the first time I ever got on stage and sang in public was age 52. Wow. And that was right here in the Eau Claire area. So is this a new profession, or had you always been singing really loud in the shower before? Yes, I always sang in the shower and in the car and parties or whatever. But yeah, I had never been on stage and sung before age 52. So what took you onto the stage? Why did you get on stage? Because, you know, you've been pretty comfortable on the other side for 52 years. I say I used to be a professional audience member. And following the music scene in this area, which is amazingly vibrant. It's just incredible. I got to know a lot of the musicians because, you know, I would be a familiar face. And I was sitting, I think it was at the UU, and Sue was playing, Sue Orfield. I know her song, so I sing along with her saxophone. And so I was doing that. And the guy next to me, a friend of mine said, you got a good voice. You should hit some open mics. And I said, I'll hit some open mics if you'll play the guitar. Was that Davy J? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a guy named John Stry, and he's a percussionist, and he's been in a band that kind of rose and fall called G-String Theory. He was in the Rust Street Blues Band. So he picked up the guitar for the first time in a long time. We hit some open mics, and then John LeBron, who is a drummer and is also in a lot of the bands that I go and see, his daughter came to him and said she had heard of this cool new thing called live band karaoke that they were doing it on the coasts. And, Dad, you should start one of those bands. And he said, I know just the woman to front it. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but I'd hit like seven open mics. And the next thing I know, I'm asked to front a band. 
And I thought, oh, my voice must be much better than I thought. <laughs> and about three months into the project, John looks at me and goes, you know, we never expected you to sing. We just wanted you for your mad social skills. <laughs> <laughs> and in that process, they ended up, the, it was the wives of the band members. At that point, it was Luke Fisher. He was our first guitarist. Then Bentley Harder, Billy Angel, and uh, John LeBron. The wives were the ones who decided on the name Jenny and the Jets. They thought that was a catchy name. And so the next thing you know, I'm not only fronting a band, but it's got my name on it. (laughs) So I ended up taking a heck of a lot of responsibility at that point for the band. Then Luke had to bow out of it, and we got Nick Voitick in, and Luke had all the sound equipment. And I was like, okay. And I went and bought sound equipment, and I learned how to run sound. So that's kind of how it all started was... John LeBron wanting me for my mad social skills. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. And it's really cool. Not until 52 do you get in front. But you had the love of music in you. Yes, yes. I've always been drawn and attracted to live music. You know, I was a teenager in the 70s. So, you know, you'd go to parties and campfires and someone would pull out the guitar and I'd be that long-haired hippie chick sitting cross-legged and swaying around the fire and singing with the guitar player and all that kind of stuff. I had no idea. I mean, because I'm used to seeing you with Jenny and Jets, particularly. And of course, I just ran into you recently at the Acoustic Cafe. You and Jim Phillips and Davy J, you know, the three of you are up there. And that configuration is called Davy J and Friends in that case. Okay. It's hard because you and Sue Orfield are in so many different configurations of people that it's really wonderful. It means basically... Uh, several times a week, we can go hear great people anywhere. Yeah, Eau Claire's great for that. And this isn't your full-time work. This isn't what pays the rent and butters your bread and all of that. I sense a dual calling in your life. Well, I like to say that singing and performing is kind of one of the things I do to make my world bigger and brighter. I'm licensed as a mental health counselor and a substance abuse counselor. Right now, I work at a place called Arbor Place in Menominee, and it's mostly known for its residential treatment for people with substance use disorders, and I work in the outpatient, so I'm an outpatient counselor. I do run some of the groups in the treatment agency, so I see people for substance use disorders, but also depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, all the myriad mental health disorders that we're subject to. And how long have you been into that? I've been in counseling for about 16 years now. You know, I've always wondered, I deal with a lot of people. I'm part of a weekly men's group for 26 years. I'm used to talking to people in depth. And at a certain point, actually, my wife said, Mark, you should get a master's so we could do therapy stuff together as couple stuff because I have mad social skills, right? <laughs> She's a deep, serene, wonderful person. But, you know, we have different skills that we'd bring to dealing with couples. I never followed that path. Mm -hmm. One of the areas I haven't gotten into is anything like ADOA, that kind of counseling, in part because I've never done any of it. Yeah. You did, and so you know wherever you speak. Is it possible to have a counselor who doesn't have any experience? Does that make any sense at all? It does make sense, and and actually that's a question that the patients ask a lot, Is it, especially with substance use disorders. It's particularly important for them to know. And when they ask, have you ever done drugs or are you in recovery, the first thing I ask is, 
I'll answer them, but first I want to know why that's important for them to know why that question. It typically boils down to not wanting to be judged. You know, we do terrible things during the course of our addiction, just terrible, to strangers and most of all to the people we love. And there's a lot of shame and guilt involved in that. And I think that people with substance use disorders initially feel comforted to think that their counselor understands what they've done, why they've done it, and perhaps has done it themselves. What I will say to them is you don't have to have had a brain tumor to be a brain surgeon. And so it's not necessarily the shared experience that makes a counselor a good counselor. It's the innate qualities in the person themselves and then the added skills from both school and from experience as a counselor. That being said, you are an awesome counselor, right? Has your experience enriched that? What the people I work with and my, you know, the executive directors have always said, and I wonder if it isn't a little bit of a myth, but they've always said that I always know when people are BSing. <laughs> Been there, done that. So. Been there, done that. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but that's what they like to think that people can't get things over on me. With substance use disorders, not mental health disorders, but with substance use disorders, it's not unusual to have involvement in the criminal justice system. And so with substance use disorders, many people come to Arbor Place or come into counseling with goals that maybe aren't consistent with the purpose of counseling. So to appease a wife, to appease a probation officer or parole officer, to appease the courts. And when they ask me whether or not I have done drugs, I do tell them I'm in recovery and that I've been in recovery for 27 years. What I don't tell them is that I myself have been in prison. I was in prison for four and a half years for federal conspiracy charges I have a weird family situation, other family members that have been incarcerated, and I wrote a song called Prison Runs in My Family. Do you tell guys that they're hot to know Jen? You say, you should know, first of all. Sometimes I do, and I've had with late life dating, it can be a little confusing anyway, but that situation is that it's not unusual to attract well-coiffed men with all the right stuff right? Like, you know, all the adult toys and stuff like that. And oddly, they're conservative beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the reasons is I'm 56. And I, I like to think that I look a little younger. So I think that one of the reasons they're attracted to me is because they can feel like they have a younger looking woman on their arm, but actually not feel like they're stepping too much too far outside of their age range. That's what I used to think. So this was kind of the way I would feel. This song is kind of the way I would feel when I would be dating these guys. It's like, you know, I look one way, but my experience is totally different, and it would freak you out. <laughs> <laughs> get ready to get freaked out, folks, by, <laughs> by Jen Hazen. Here she is, Prison Runs in My Family. <laughs> now listen up, y'all. This is a true story. I swear it is. With your school all pro 
Jen Hazen, Prison Runs in My Family. I, you know, I identify with that a bit. You know, I, I come from a family where we've occupied both sides of the law. And <laughs> I don't find it maybe quite as off-putting as maybe these conservative people, that these men who want to ask you out, do they recoil in horror? Or what is the reaction? I have varied responses, or I've had varied responses. Number one, I want to say that it isn't as important today I've been out of prison since 1999. 
So that experience is now quite a distance away. So it's not as a prevalent, but I think when we have these experiences that don't appear to jibe with what society expects or whatever, that we feel separated and apart. And I think that's how many of my patients feel when they come into the office. And that's one of the reasons they ask that question. So it was something, especially when I was trying to do the dating thing, that was kind of right out in front for me. And I thought it was important that people know I don't think it's that important today. I don't mind people knowing, but I don't think it's important. I don't think it defines me anymore. And some of the reactions I would get, the one that shocked me the most was the guy would kind of sit back when I kind of told a little bit of my my background and my story. And they would say, a guy would say, wow, I can't beat that. (laughs) I can't beat it. And I would think, what are you talking about? (laughs) What? What? You didn't beat it. (laughs) I shot 37 people. (laughs) Can you beat that? Go ahead. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. You know, it used to be one of those kind of tests, like, can you handle this? Right? Right? Can you handle this? But now, like, it's part of my experience, but it's not, it doesn't define me anymore. This recording is from your Music Heals, and we, we need to talk about what Music Heals is shortly. But you did that with a variety of people. Dan Zares in there, John LeBron, Jim Phillips, Evan is there, and, and Davy J's there. Yeah. And Evan is, he's got the studio? Yep. He has a Pine Hollow studio here in Eau Claire. Just a little plug for Evan. He's now touring as Soundman for The National. So he's not doing as much in his studio anymore because he's traveling the world with them. But yeah, we went into Pine Hollow studio. And when we first went in, it's kind of a hokey song. And I was hoping that there would be, you know, the sound of a rowdy bar with, you know, beer glasses crashing on the floor and sirens and people yelling. I was thinking about that. And Evan said something to me in response to that song. He asked me, he said, do you think people who have had that kind of life will think that you're making fun of them? And it had never crossed my mind that anyone would hear the song and think that I was being a parody or describing a subset of people who would feel like I was uh, using them as a brunt of a joke or something. And then I I, I said, no, I am one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) And that did stick in my mind. And so that's why I kind of decided not to make it even hokier than it already is. Now, amongst the groups that you perform with, that you're part of, Jenny and the Lost Boys, Jenny and the Jets, Milk and Whiskey is one of them. Mm-hmm. Milk and Whiskey, that's a strange thing for an AODA. Um, do you tell your clients, you know, yeah, I'm part of Milk and Whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, the gentleman that I'm in Milk and Whiskey with, has his own experiences. And it's kind of a code for people who have had the same experiences and have come out of it. So we were thinking that we wanted the name of something, like I say, that would kind of code for a group of people. I'm being deliberately obscure. Okay, we'll stay obscure if that's what you want. Okay, I'm being deliberately obscure because I don't want it to broadcast someone else's experience. 
But if you do want to know what Jim's experience is, you just listen to the interview I did with Jim Phillips, where he talks all about it. So. Okay, so he broadcasted his own. So Jim Phillips is also in recovery from alcoholism. And he's been clean and sober, I believe, for six years now, maybe going on seven. And the title, Milk and Whiskey, comes from a, a story in something called The Big Book, which is kind of Alcoholics Anonymous's Bible. And it talks about a man who's trying to do controlled drinking, and so he puts whiskey in milk. And that experiment went so well that he did it again and again and again. (laughs) Well, let's keep going with your music, Jen. Again, folks, we are speaking with Jennifer Hazen, and she does all kinds of music around our area, and we're really fortunate to have her here today for Song of the Soul. What do you want to share next? Well, let's do Barbed Wire Kiss, because the kind of stuff behind it has a lot to do with prison. So, Yeah, well, Barbed Wire and prison, I kind of associate with that. That's right. The first time I went into a county jail... It was daunting to Mm -hmm. see those fences and go through the various stops. And this is a county jail. Again, you're only in there for less than a year, right? right? So this isn't the state or the federal prisons, which are even more, and I've been in those too, visiting. I haven't been an inmate, Mm -hmm. but just as a visitor, it was terribly daunting. Mm -hmm. So what's this got to do? Barbed wire kiss maybe doesn't have to do with prisons, but... Well, the barbed wire kiss is, is implies my prison experience. So I had it rolling around in my head. It was a much slower blues song that I had in my head. And I realized when I started writing down the words that it was kind of scary stalker stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to clean that up a little bit. It started sounding uh, like really kind of scary stalker, like a, a stalking woman kind of thing. So I cleaned it up a little bit. It isn't really the way I am, but I kind of like... You mean your lips really aren't being barbed? Well, my lips, and I might enchant you, and I might entangle you, <laughs> and I might bewitch you, <laughs> but I would not... You wouldn't leave scars upon my soul? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that. Okay, so <laughs> I go too far again. <laughs> Let's just say I'm not that aggressive in my pursuits, but I still kind of like the song nonetheless. Well, maybe it's a vision that Jen Hazen has of herself. (laughs) Barbed wire kiss.
think it can hide, I'll track you down. You think it can run, I'll run you down. I've got my eye on you, I'll tell you this. I'll enchant you with my barbed wire gift. Barbed wire kid. Some hot licks there for Barbed Wire Kiss by Jennifer Hazen. She is my guest today for Song of the Soul here on Northern Spirit Radio. NorthernSpiritRadio.org is the website where we have links to our guests. So you're going to come to our site and you're going to say, Jen Hazen, she's in at least 27 local bands and so on. You will find links to most of them on our site. So we'll have that there if you come to NorthernSpiritRadio.org. You can find that for all of our guests of the past 12 plus years and additional information, song lists, etc. There's a place to post comments. We really like two-way communication. You're listening to us speak right now, but we want to hear your voice. So post a comment when you visit. There's a donate button. That's how this full-time work is supported. It's not by the government. It's not by corporate funds. It's because you, the listener, want to support this. Even more important, though, than supporting Northern Spirit Radio is to support your local community radio station. Here in Eau Claire, we have WHYS. There's Blue Gold Radio that covers our area, too. It's broadcast this program. And there's Stations all over the nation that are carrying this program. All of them are bringing news and music that you just don't get anywhere. You want local voice, you have to help make sure it succeeds. And with your hands and with your wallet, you can make that happen. Support your local community radio station. Again, Northern Spirit Radio's program today is Song of the Soul. And Jen Hazen is here, also known as Jenny sometimes, Jennifer Hazen. And other names, too. There's more beyond that because she works as a AODA and substance abuse counselor. We need to get into that pretty soon. But we just finished Barbed Wire Kiss. I sense you're not too uptight with yourself, Jen. And that's important. I mean, you seem to have a very good sense of humor. Did you have that for the years you were occupying the big pen? I don't think I did. When the FBI raided the house, my mother was a drug dealer. So she had direct line to a cocaine cartel in Mexico. And I had had my son. I had been clean from drugs since the birth of my son. And I had thought, quite frankly, that the universe had played a cosmic joke on me by giving me this person to take care of me. Because every breathing moment of my life was illegal for years and years. I was an IV drug user and lived the, in the kind of world that that type of drug use implies. So um, did everything. And so uh, I was trying to do my best to be a mother and not do drugs and figure out how to live a life. But my mother was still involved in the cocaine cartel. The FBI came in and I knew at that point that the jig was up, that my life was going to change drastically. And I had no idea what that would look like. When I was sentenced, I was initially sentenced to six and a half years, nonviolent, there were no guns. This is part of the federal sentencing guidelines. 
I was offered a year-long residential drug program in prison and a year and a half off my sentence with a successful completion of that. So I only did four and a half years plus a half a year of good time. But when I went into the prison system, I decided I would do whatever it would take to get back out and be with my son. And if that meant jumping through flaming hoops of fire, I would ask how many and would do it without question, whatever I had to do in order to do my time and get out and be a mother again. I kept my head down. I watched very carefully and closely and just kind of walked my way through my time. I made some friends, and there were some good times. There were some interesting times, but for the... <laughs> is that interesting as in, as in scary bad? Well, interesting as in, you know, women, we see a lot... Well, you've got Orange is the New Black, which is a kind of a parody of prison, but the personalities aren't that far off. I have a hard time watching it because I see things that would never happen in prison. Like, you just don't ever get keys. <laughs> like, you would never get keys for anything. But it's not terribly far off. It's a little broad and stuff. But women have a tendency in prison to nest. And we have a tendency to try and create families. And so we may have our prison family with grandmothers and grandfathers and mothers and fathers and sisters and aunts and uncles. They're all our prison family. So we do have a tendency to nest. On the other hand, disturbing things can happen as well. We don't have a tendency to be violent in prison, although it does happen in women's prisons. About 95% of the write-ups and people going to the SHU, Special Housing Unit, or the HOLE, as it's called, um, have to do with relationships within the prison, with same-sex relationships in the prison. So it wasn't as disturbing as many people who have never been exposed to any kind of prison culture might think because of most media focuses on men in prison. Well, there's a lot more men in prison, aren't there? There's a lot more men in prison, although I do believe the numbers of women are going up as well. Yeah. Believe in equality, so I guess. <laughs> right, <not>. right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, it was an interesting period of time, and, and I don't remember being funny. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been, but I don't remember being funny. I don't remember necessarily grimness, but I just remember trudging, trudging through it. I'm glad that you got to a place in your life. I just think it's so delightful that eventually this leads you on to stage singing, performing, and in many ways being the life of the party for so many people here. It's really sweet to know that there is life after prison because so few people, men in particular, I think have much more problem with recidivism and all that kind of thing. I think they have a harder problem getting out of prison. There's different expectations for men coming out of prison than women. Women are warm and fuzzy. Men are scary. They're expected to bootstrap it with very little kind of social safety network. Let's keep going with your music. Okay. <laughs> we got a little this could time be left. a big political thing about prison and uh, our country's uh, view of it, but we don't have to go there. So what do you want to share next? Well, we talked about my son. My son, Toby, is 27 years old, and I have told him, he knows that, and I firmly believe that if I hadn't gotten pregnant with him, I would probably be dead. And the name of the song is Shotgun Lullaby, and it reflects the way I would like to think of myself as a mother. I think we're sending this out from Jen Hazen to her son, Toby. It's called Shotgun Lullaby. Shotgun Lullaby Baby, don't you cry There's no need to fear You know your mama's near 
shotgun lullaby Baby, dry your eyes I'll stay right by your bed With a shotgun full of lead I'll scare the dragons from your drawer Witches from the air Trolls behind the door Ogres under I am fierce and I am strong The monsters are all gone Your mama's by your side With her shotgun lullaby all you listeners across the country and the 32 stations or so that carry Norton Spirit Radio Productions that you've got another lullaby to <laughs> add to your collection. <laughs> we should mention, Jen, that this is on a recording that you've put together called Music Heals. Tell us about the Music Heals project. Thank you. In 2014, I returned to my first place of employment, which was Arbor Place. Without Arbor Place, it would have been much harder for me to have gotten a job in the field. Arbor Place, the board of directors and the executive back then took a chance on me. I was just finishing up my associate's degree in substance abuse counseling. I was still on federal parole and relatively fresh out of prison and took a chance on me and hired me. I stayed there for five years, and I moved forward. I needed to experience other job sites and then was romanced back to Arbor Place by the new executive director. And one of the ways she romanced me was they were building this beautiful new treatment building, and it had such luxuries as, like, a bathroom in every bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the first place that I worked that was actually aesthetically appealing. Many treatment centers are old and run down. And at that place, at this new building, I was about two years into getting on stage and was realizing just how much it had expanded my world and enriched my world. It made me go from a naturally happy person to a joyful person. 
you know, my hope for everyone who comes through Arbor Place or everyone who has these, you know, addiction or mental health or, or experiences like mine is that they eventually be able to feel joy. That's the ultimate real unadulterated joy. And music had done so much for me that I wanted to try and introduce that kind of joy that music gave me to other people. So I started a GoFundMe campaign to get musical instruments because my thought was is we see so many musicians with substance use disorders and we see them all the time, not just, you know, the typical Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, but we see them in any place that we would go to where we would see live music. And I thought, wouldn't it be a wonderful place if Arbor Place would be able to help anyone who played music reconnect with their passion without substances. And that maybe by having instruments in the residential treatment centers that people would be able to pick up their guitars or play the piano and reconnect with music clean and sober. The music community and their fans in the area were tremendous. We have electric guitars, we have acoustic guitars, we have bass guitars, we had two pianos donated and a keyboard. We have ukuleles, we have recorders, we have a PA. So they donated, many musicians stepped up and donated equipment and donated instruments. Many of their fans donated money. And so I was able to do that and get the instruments in the neighborhoods. And I was buying strings and then getting instruments prepared and realized there was no more money left. And so that was coming out of my pocket. And I was wondering, how could I make this sustainable? If I got hit by a bus, those instruments would languish in the corner and no one would pay any attention. Then all that work and all that generosity would just fizzle. So I was trying to figure out a way how to make the Music Heals program sustainable I, quite frankly, had always wanted to go into the studio and record, and I thought that if I made a CD with 100% of the profits going back into Music Heals, that might be one of the ways to make it sustainable. And so I put another call out to the area musicians, and it was amazing how they stepped up. There are three songs that both the melody and the words were written by me, but Sue Orfield donated the song Atomica Go-Go, and she let me write lyrics to it. We have a song donated by Greg Gilbertson, who's going to have an amazing CD coming out in January. I don't know if any if you're not familiar with him, you've got to... I've interviewed him. Oh my gosh, his guitar picking style is just... I mean, I've got goosebumps just thinking about what an amazing musician he is. We have a song donated by Dan Zur. We've got a song donated by Davey J. We have Max Garland, outgoing poet laureate for the state of Wisconsin. Katya donated a song. Duffy from Eggplant Heroes. And much of this was quite selfish because these are all songs that I love. (laughs) Every single one of these songs are songs that caught my ear and that I had been humming and singing along to for a while anyway. And so they gave me their songs to do what I would with it. And not only that, but many of them came into the studio to help for free. So they donated their time. They donated their talent. They donated their music to this project. 
And it is a fundraiser. It is a fundraiser to help preserve, help Music Heals continue. My vision for the future is I would love to have someone come in and do weekly guitar lessons. We have enough guitars if people want to. So start getting the basics of music. Another kind of vision for the future, uh, who knows if it'll come to fruition, would be, and I'm working actually with a couple of my patients on this, is to have our patients write songs and then Music Heals pay for them to come into the studio and record it. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? So songs of, you know, maybe addiction, maybe recovery, maybe relapse, maybe the new world that they're stepping into as someone clean and sober, but their experience, right? So how do people track down this? I mean, we've been listening to songs that are from that recording. So Prison Runs of My Family, Barbed Wire Kiss, Shotgun Lullaby, they're all on the Music Heals CD. How do people get it? Locally, um, you can get it at the Volume 1 store, and you can get it wherever I am, because <laughs> I carry copies with me. Right now, we don't have them on digital, so there's no digital download, but that's one of the things that I think that I have to do, is get back in touch with the production company and have Music Hills pay for being able to make it downloadable and get it on iTunes and Spotify and stuff. And if someone wants a copy of the CD, who do they contact for that? They can contact me at Arbor Place. We'll have that contact information on northernspiritradio.org, so you don't have to copy things down right now. Just remember northernspiritradio.org. Jen Hasen's contact information for Arbor Place will be there. You'll be able to get it. It's fundraising, again, to help people in recovery. We're selling it for $15, and 100% of that goes right into Music Heals. Arbor Place has set up a separate bank account, and they have a person doing accounting just for that. So it's starting, right? What my vision of, because before it was just me handling the money and and all that, and now they have this dedicated bank account and accounting and, and all that kind of stuff. So now it's not like I just run to speed a sound down the street to pick up guitar strings. I have to go to someone and ask them for the money, and then I have to take in the receipt and everything. We're going to have one more song that we're going to share, folks, but I'm going to have Jen sing a song here today for us that isn't on the Music Heals recording. So we're going to share one now. What would you like to share, Jen? I don't play an instrument, and I was going to open mics, and I couldn't always find a guitar player, so I had to find a song that I could sing without an instrument. And Janis Joplin is one of my heroes, so it's Mercedes-Benz. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches, must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV. Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three. So, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? I'm counting on you, Lord. Please don't let me down. Prove that you love me 
and buy the next round. So, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? Everybody, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's also my call to arms song. So when I start singing that song, the band knows it's time for me to get back up on stage. (laughs) I mentioned earlier, Jen, that it looks to me like you've got these two callings in your life. The work that you're doing healing people through AODA, substance use counseling, this kind of work. And there's the musical, the joy work Mm -hmm. that you do in your life. I'm wondering what kind of spiritual and religious background you had and have, if you have words for it. Sometimes just doing the music is the spirit work, right? I don't assume that people have to have some kind of organized uh, religion, but I do find that many people do have some underlying thing that supports, motivates, directs them. What's that in your case? And that might include what it was or wasn't. People have bad experiences too. Well, there was a period in the 70s when we lived in Arizona, early 70s, where my mom was a born-again Christian, and Jesus Christ Superstar had just come out. I had a little bit of exposure at that point, but we never were church-going people. We didn't identify as any particular religion or even as Christian. My father was from the conservative intellectual. He's a, a professional writer and wrote political speeches. So the most important thing in my family was intelligence was not spirituality. That was kind of what was rewarded. And I don't, I don't adhere to any kind of religious beliefs today. I just think it's important to be as kind as we can to each other and as non-judgmental. I really, really try to do that in my daily life, and I'm not always good at it. I don't always do it. But being kind and being accepting and being non-judgmental is, you know, I think that's the tenant of almost all spiritual practices. It doesn't matter, you know, where you are on the globe or what higher power you follow. I think those are some basic tenets, and I do as well as I can to follow them. Thanks for sharing that, and thanks for living out the spirit. I do find that music is a spiritual expression for me. It it does get me to a deep place of joy. I'm all with that program. The question is also, for me, always, which congregation you sing with. And mind you, I'm a Quaker, and our form of worship is an hour of silence. And people can sing if they wish. It's not like you have to stay silent. But A lot of people, I think, go to church because you get to be in the choir or you just, there is power in singing with a group of people. There is power. I mean, there's power in music. There's power in singing. You know, there's a lot of research now on the power of group singing, right? I never did that. Yeah. 
well, there is one more thing that we need to do, which is include a song. Yeah. And because you gave me a clue ahead of time, since we're talking about this spiritual stuff, tell me about Muses and Angels. Well, you know, each one of these songs are songs that were written by other area musicians. And each one of these songs reached out and grabbed me when I heard it. And this song, Muses and Angels, uh, written by David Jones, also known as Davy J., it just kind of touched me or grabbed me. It didn't touch me. It grabbed me. It was like, that's kind of how I feel. At one point it says, I'm feeling like an ordinary woman, restless and sad, right? And it's, show me the power of music. Tell me exactly what I'm feeling in words I don't know. And then at one point it says, my boyfriend is jealous. <laughs> and I was thinking with the time and effort that people who are passionate about their music or any of their craft might put that that would feel, that would feel appropriate. So I don't think I did this song justice in singing it. And I'm honored to have had this song be allowed to be included on it because I really, really like it. And folks, the song is by David Jones, Davy J. He was my guest for Song of the Soul several years back. So you come to NordenSpiritRadio.org, you'll be able to find other music by him. Today, we've been privileged to have Jennifer Hazen here. Jen is a font of joy and of healing for our area. We're so lucky to have her in the Chippewa Valley. I'm sure you listening out there, wherever you are in the country, around the world, you have people doing this kind of work. Remember to contact me and connect me up with my possible guests for the future. In the meantime, we're going to finish with a song performed here by Jen, but it's written by David Jones, and it's called Muses and Angels. Thanks so much, Jen, for joining us here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks for having me. This was fun, Mark. Thank you. Muses and Angels, performed by Jen Hazen here. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Muses and Angels.
theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song.